0: Any securities or investment products discussed on Talkie Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And good morning. Welcome to the next edition of Talkie Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're joining us. If you happen to be a first time listener, You'll learn pretty quickly that this is not a sales program. We are here to educate you on many, many different topics. And a couple of weeks ago, Tim Gughin joined me to talk about this whole ugly supply chain issue that's affecting all of us. And he brought us some some great insights, some great advice. Uh, And so we wanted to bring him back to wrap up that. And we'll talk about his individual story here in just a few minutes. But welcome back to the microphone, Tim.
1: Thanks, Mike. Uh, It's it's great to be back. I've been looking forward to it. We had a lot of good response uh, from last, or two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, I appreciate you having us back.
0: Oh yeah, I can tell you're you're enjoying yourself. That's always, and you can tell that even over without it being on TV, you can tell when somebody's enjoying themselves on the radio. So Tim is executive vice president and chief commercial officer for USA Truck, and has been in the trucking business for a long, long time, thirty three years, over thirty three years, right? Yeah. that's right. So he knows his stuff. He's been around the block a little bit for that. So I thought to start the day off today, we'd have a little bit of fun with you. So many of you will, will show your age if you've heard this song before. I said, and, and I wasn't even searching for a song. It just came to my head. So this would be a good one to, to play when Tim gets back on about, about uh, the trucking industry, I guess, and some of the fun that they have. So, Paul, take it away. So we're not going to listen to the rest of that song. Don't want too many people to get to, to used to listening to that. They'd rather listen to the song than listen to us. But uh, that was that was a long time ago. Uh, that had to be in the 70s or something that those uh, that, that they recorded that song. That was by... 71. 71, back from bread. So that was my growing up years. So this is a little before some of your times. But I know a lot of you listeners out there recognize that song. So trucking down the highway. That's what we want our trucks to do. We want them to keep trucking and we've had some issues with that. We talked about that two weeks ago. If you missed that, go to talkingmoneyradio.com and you can pull up the archives and listen now and, it'll, and you can go to... A lot of different uh, shows that we've done, but this one was two weeks ago. It's already been posted on TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you want to hear more detailed analysis of the supply chain issue as it relates to the trucking industry, we covered that a lot. We want to wrap it up in this first segment or so today. But if you want to hear more about that, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast at your leisure whenever you want. So we had a text, uh, Tim, come in. At the very end of the program last uh, two weeks ago when we were on and didn't have a chance to get to it. So here's the question. Uh, They asked, what is a mega fleet like USA truck doing to avoid nuclear verdicts like the one billion settlement that we saw in Florida in 2021?
1: It's difficult to avoid any type of litigation like that especially if you're a trucker
0: in the trucking industry that's why you talked last time about having all the cameras everywhere just to help protect yourself and that
1: is really how we mitigate those risks we do it a lot of different ways but a lot of what we have done with technology has made a tremendous difference Um, things that are on the truck that was not on the truck in 1988 when i got uh, really into the business and we have electronic logs which was a Mm -hmm. a federal mandate Um, you'll hear, hear the term eld so it, it monitors the driver's hours of service. It's doing that all the time, with uh, they, just automatically. Uh, automatically. They don't have
0: to do anything manually to it,
1: start it or stop it, well, maybe start it to yeah, begin with. Sometime, yeah, you still have to do that. But okay. uh, years ago, a driver may carry two or three logbooks. And when he comes up on a, a wait station or inspection station, they can use a different logbook. And uh, that logbook <laughs> helped them to be creative <laughs> and how many hours they've been working. Uh, you know, today… In a 24-hour period, a driver is able to drive 11 hours uh, mm-hmm. in that 24-hour period. Wow! And uh, that's, still, that's a long time in a yeah. truck. So 10 hours in the bunk, and the other three hours are on duty, not driving for inspections and other other type things. Mm-hmm. So ELD has changed that. So okay. the, you know, and that helps us in the courtroom, right? That we we can we can keep our drivers uh, resting. The other piece, uh, the biggest piece, is forward-facing, rear-facing. Uh, inward facing cameras and um, some drivers don't like that uh, but uh, we've saved millions of dollars and i'll give you one quick example we had a a a situation where one of our drivers was going down a two-lane road and an oncoming car uh, came uh, right into our lane uh head-on collision uh, head-on collision with the truck with our truck Mm -hmm. our driver avoided a good part of trying to steer away and Mm -hmm. eventually steered into the other lane uh so when the highway patrolman came got on the scene where were we we were in the wrong lane we were on Mm -hmm. the oncoming lane Mm -hmm. uh, and and originally got a ticket uh, and would have been liable for the death uh, of this other this past this car uh, and and we were able to mitigate that and by video it showed the driver that was he was in the lane shows the car coming into his lane and his evasive action so things like that today uh, when you see these big mega fleets like us rolling down the road mm-hmm. uh, newer type equipment uh, all those things collision avoidance like you would, you know you'd buy in a new car today right, right. Uh, lane departure systems things like that that you would buy today on a car we have those on, on the trucks That's along with great. the
0: eld yeah my wife was fortunate and uh, one of the um, it's not even that new of a Lexus that she's got. Uh, but And I can't remember how long she'd had it, but she was pulling out of our street and didn't see. You could see there's a hill just to the right, so cars come over that. And she could see a car come over that. But there was a uh, another car that was in a blind spot, apparently where the bar of the window or door or something was. She did not see that. She started pulling out and, and did not see that car, but the car saw it and, and put on the brakes and stopped her. Even though she still had her foot on the gas, it stopped her. So that kind of thing is, is really, really important. And that's hopefully going to solve or prevent a lot of accidents for automobiles and trucks and, and saves everybody's insurance. And more importantly, of course, saves lives. And, and I think just as important, if not maybe more important, I mean, it's, it's certainly horrible to, to lose a life. But, but a disability can be worse oftentimes. And it's hard to, to imagine that sometimes. But yes, it can be worse for the, all the families involved. So uh, that's why we think disability insurance is so important when we're advising clients that, that they, if they have a choice between life insurance or disability, they should probably choose the disability because that's a worst-case scenario typically than the life insurance. It just doesn't seem like it, but but financially it, it certainly is. All right, so uh, you from last week you had an article that uh, you saw from, was the New York Times? Or? Los Angeles Times. Los Angeles Times. Yes. Yeah. Um, that uh, was kind of recapping some of the things we talked about and and uh, they essentially must have listened to our program because they agreed with the course, it probably was written before us it was <laughs> yeah, okay but um <laughs> so what are some of the things that they thought were important that we talked about just to kind of recap what we talked about a couple of weeks ago for those who may have missed it
1: yeah so a lot of people get fixated on california and the import export situation mm-hmm. it's in the news and because it's in the news there everybody really hyper focuses on that as being the problem and as you and i talked about last week there's a there's a whole lot more complexity to the supply chain, mm-hmm. and uh, the article does a good job of talking about supply chain history. It talks talks about it starting in the '70s, and uh, you know U.S. companies outsourcing to to uh, Asia and China, especially. Um, it goes on to talk about the Dodge Ram 1500 truck that rolled out last uh, last year. Uh, uh, most of those parts on that Ram 1500, if you drive one, comes from from, from outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, when we were thinking about and talking about the backlog in California, uh, it does. It's very disruptive, even if you're a U.S. assembly plant. I mean, you think about our our uh, automotive uh, company here, BMW. Uh, one of the things I learned during that plant is a lot of the parts are come that they're not made by BMW, uh, but they're assembled. That's why they sure. call it an assembly plant, mm-hmm. right? So, all, so we're reliant a lot uh, on on Asia, and that's what's really backed up the global supply chain through. Uh, California, when we were talking about technology with trucks, there's a lot of uh, components on that truck now that's you know high technology. So you think about this chip yeah, shortage, chips and digitals and all so, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so trucks, we're trying to buy trucks today, like every sure, other truck sure. out there. The cost is inflated. Um, the chip shortage has caused a delay because we want those technologies on our trucks. Mm-hmm. The collision avoidance, especially, yeah, has been it. a game changer right, for us. Right. And you know that's a problem it's a six eight yeah. month problem down the line okay yeah
0: great stuff but yeah. we' got to take our first break All so right. we're gonna we'll wrap up that and and also want you to talk a little bit about the the drug testing clearinghouse that you've mentioned and then uh, we'll get on to other things when we get back to the break but if you got a question about the supply chain issue trucking or something like that that you want to ask Tim you'll want to send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com website and click on the Ask Micah question. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, Please visit ronblue.com. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee, Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to talking money. We are back with talking money this is mike miller your host for today with my special guest tim guin executive vice president and chief commercial officer for usa truck talking about the supply chain issues Uh, we talked about it two weeks ago and trying to wrap it up here in the next few minutes all right so before the break you were you were uh just reviewing some of the things that the los angeles times had that um that were things that we talked about a few weeks ago we were going to just rehash them for a few minutes and we want you to talk about this drug testing clearinghouse and what what all that means how that helps us. Of course, we want to also wrap that part up with how's all this affecting us?
1: Right. Uh, yeah, it's really a, a tremendous effect. Uh, a lot of it really goes back to labor. You know, we talked about equipment before the break uh, with a backlog of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so mechanical things and, you know, in the supply chain, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch it because the inflation of truck costs now, are, obviously, is there. Yeah. Used trucks, just like when you go buy a car, used truck prices are skyrocketing. So folks that are – when we talked about the 93% uh, trucking companies are 15 trucks or less, if you can get your head around there. A Mm -hmm. lot of the folks that you see in the news are like the one-truck, two-truck, three-truck companies. Well, they're paying an inflated rate for a used truck. Mm. So when things get back online and we don't have the chip shortage and new trucks start to come online Mm – Guess what's going to happen to the value of that used truck? It's going to go down. It's going to go down. That's why I
0: sold one of my used cars last right. two weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah. it's time to get rid of it. I wasn't using it very much. I, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of it now. While I get a great price. Right. Yeah. So
1: it, there's it's going, it's going to pop. And then what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of these owner operators will have an, uh, a truck that's worth of half of what they're paying for it each month. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a problem, right? Wow. So. Um, a lot we're we're going to on trucks maybe exactly. The Bank's going to own some more. Yeah, so the drivers will either go find another job somewhere else in some other industry, mm-hmm. or they'll come to work for you know a, a larger company, or mm-hmm. uh, the, you know they're going to have to work their way out of that, and hopefully they'll get some some help. But you know, COVID obviously was we, we talked about that last week was a big uh, a big uh, problem in our industry when Asia shut down. Uh, you know, products stopped coming, and then mm-hmm. they c- opened back up, and things got backlogged. We have the same situation here, even with the truck truckers, and uh, when you think about distribution, warehousing uh, workers uh, that are out uh, sick, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's slowed down the supply chain. So you, you have a backlog on both the imports and also on the on domestics. And we talked about that, but how is it affecting us? And that means that higher prices on many things, uh, heavy demand for shipping, uh, cause cost, freight uh, costs to skyrocket. Uh, we get. So we book somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,600 to 800 to 1,000 loads a day.
0: Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Now,
1: we decline one and a half times that. Really? Yes, on a daily you basis. You just don't have the capacity to do it. We don't have the capacity. Wow. So uh, if, if you think about it, and in the article- you think at
0: some point in time you may have that capacity when all this stuff, uh, will the demand drop then, or will the capacity need to increase- Keep up with that demand. Yeah,
1: it, we just got to get people back to work. That's still yeah. a big issue we talked about it's, last time. Yeah, people need we, to go to work. People need to go to work. I mean, yeah. easy money. You know, people don't value the dollar, so the inflation goes up. Fuel yeah. prices are up. Yeah. Gas prices are up, and uh, you know that, that that's a problem yeah. for all of us. But uh, you know, when you think about Mexico as an example, it's a it's a four dollar and twenty five cent an hour labor rate. When you think about China, it's a four fifty four seventy five an hour labor rate yeah. and lots of folks in the u.s as we couple couple administrations back uh talked said everybody needed a college degree and yeah. we, we put a lot of college debt out there a lot of people went to college and they get out of college and not left enough white collar jobs mm-hmm. and then there's a huge demand for a blue collar job right truckers and, and can well paying yeah well paying truckers can make a hundred thousand yeah. I mean, dollars but plumbers yeah. are making that today yeah. <laughs> electricians right so these skilled labor jobs are are being filled by uh, people. Anyway, to me, I think I, we need to open up the cross-border. We need to do it right way. People need to come into the country the right way. They yes, go through the absolutely. procedure, right? Yeah. We, we can all agree that. Uh, we, don't, we shouldn't just let them cross, and we, we, need to, we need to make sure we do it the right way. But we need that labor because there's people here that there's not enough of them that they want to work. And then we have an aging population, especially in the trucking. It's the average age of a trucker, around 50 years old. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are retiring. That still sounds pretty young to me. Yeah, well, me too. (laughs) Me too. Older I get.
0: So talk to us about that drug testing clearinghouse. What exactly is that? Yeah, so
1: this is a big issue too. So um, let's let's think back six or seven years ago. Okay. Um, If you're a driver and you're applying for a job, you got your CDL, your commercial driver's license, you go to work for company A, and uh, everybody's required by the federal government to do a a drug screen, right? We don't want drivers running down the road, uh, you know, uh, under the influence, of any no, drugs, yeah, right? No. Eighty thousand pounds. Any driver, yeah. Eighty thousand pounds at sixty-five miles an yeah. hour. That's a that's yeah. a, that's, a, that's a lot of or well, faster. Right? Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. we have that, and and so seven years ago, um, you know, if you went in and you and you had a night out of partying, and your lifestyle was a, a little bit sketchy, maybe I don't know, party a lot, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be really in a truck. That's what the federal government says, and there's there's right. rules and regulations around that. You go have a drug screen and you, and you fail that drug screen. You could wait a week or two and there's ways to get around it. You could go to company B down the street, go through the same procedure and get a job. Mm-hmm. And also there's random drug screens. And you could be driving a truck for a company and you could fail a random and you can wait a few weeks and figure things out. Go to work for another company down the street mm-hmm. by passing, being creative and passing the drug screens. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. Uh, today... We have the drug testing clearinghouse. Yeah. So if you went and gotcha. felt the drug screen <laughs> at company A, company B immediately sees it. Okay. And so you go into, uh, you go into the clearinghouse. And it's, it's, it's about a 90-day deal. You go in there, and you have to wait, and you have, there's certain criteria and things that you have to do to get out of the clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. And then what we're seeing, now what we're seeing with a lot of states legalizing marijuana and other, other things less than 6% of those drivers come back out.
0: Once they get in that drug clearinghouse, it's like they're done. Yeah. Because they're probably addicts and they're not going to ever get drug free.
1: Yeah. They're going to go, if it's that important to them, they're yeah. going to go work somewhere else where they're not going to get random drug screens and it's yeah. and they're not behind the wheel of a, wow. which is a good That's thing a good for thing. safety. Yeah. But for the supply chain, it's it's another one of those many things that I talked about last week that is contributing to the shortage and yeah, the supply well,
0: chain. It's just amazing, a different subject. But I mean, how, how, and this may have affected some of your childhood, I don't know, but substance abuse, whether it's drugs or alcohol, how that affects uh, children growing up, how that affects adults, and they just can't seem to get off that that cycle of addiction. And of course, you and I, being both on the board of Miracle Hill, hear a lot of stories like that. And one of the reasons we agreed to take our time and serve on the board of Miracle Hill because we feel like, it's such a great ministry that helps so many people get out of that cycle of addiction. And, and talking about at the board meeting uh, last week, the percentage of, of success that we've had at Miracle Hill for the people who have gone through the program and not relapse. Uh, that's, it's just unusual. And, of course, we know it's because of God, and it's, it changes their heart. And he can change their heart where uh, no amount of counseling can do that on its own god has to get in their heart and change that and that's just it's tremendous to see those stories and it's nice to hear that that um there is some safety measures there are some safety measures out there on the drug on the on the drug testing and truck drivers to help keep them off the road because none of us want that and we've all seen some drivers who acted like they were maybe on the influence um but uh, for the most part, you know, they seem to stay in their own lane and mm-hmm. seem to know what they're doing, mm-hmm. which is good. And there's still a bunch of trucks out there, but there's still uh, overall, I know a shortage based on, on what we see in the supply chain and the disruptions for that. All right, so we'll continue the second half of talking money, talking more about uh, getting getting uh, uh, gone from, from meddling to preaching here to or preaching to meddling for Tim and his personal story. We'll get to that. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the second half of talking money. Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 16 offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas. Financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ron Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee, Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to talking money. And welcome back to the second half of Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. Tim Gewin, my guest for today. We've been talking about the... Supply chain issues and the trucking and all that kind of stuff. If you missed that, you'll need to go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We'll post this particular program uh, middle of the week next week. And we also had one when Tim was on a couple of weeks ago that's already been posted about the supply chain and the trucking industry and so forth. Uh, very interesting information. I think you really, really enjoy that. So that's the uh, same thing. Go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and you'll get that. For the rest of today, we're going to have to have an abbreviated version of Tim's personal story. Um, and I haven't heard a lot of that story myself, so I'm eager to hear it. And It's one of the reasons I wanted Tim to come on. The trucking course was uh, very much a financial issue, the others is not, but I always like to ask, uh, guests in your situation, what did you learn about money growing up um just what kinds of concepts did you learn about money as a as a young teenager older teenager young adult and who was it in your life that that taught you that it could be good lessons or bad lessons some that you don't do anymore and some that you still stick with even after you learned them back when you're younger so what what do you remember learning about money in general back as you were growing up
1: well You know, humble beginnings. I'll tell. I'll tell you that teaches lots of lessons, right? And Mm -hmm. you know, my family was broken. Um, My dad was an alcoholic. uh, Spent some time in prison. Uh, Our family was, you know, broken apart. And uh, and when that happened, how many brothers
0: and sisters? So I have
1: six sisters and one brother. So keep in perspective. Eight of us, right? (laughs) So uh, five uh, of my sisters. um, You know. uh, were old, well they all were older than me but uh mm-hmm. four four of my sisters went to connie maxwell children's home mm. and me and my mother uh at that time with my brother moved into um uh woodland homes which is uh, government subsidized housing okay and um uh, you know i was four or five four or five years old lived in there you know for about three years mm. and you know uh, knew that we struggled to to you know have m- enough money to do things and obviously uh, at a very young age uh, my my grandparents were a big inspiration to me i spent a lot of time with my grandparents learned a lot okay did they um, live close by they so did you could spend yeah, time with them. absolutely so yeah. I spent a lot of time with them my mother worked sometimes two jobs and um, and then my stepfather, who was a trucker, came into our life, rescued our family. So, about how old were you then? Uh, he came along when I was about five. Uh, my mother, okay. you know, didn't want to get remarried, and it took him a good good uh, six or seven years to convince her to <laughs> oh, marry really? him. Okay. So, um,
0: so, he was in your life, but he wasn't all the way in your life right, for six right. or seven years. So, I started okay.
1: to learn a little bit about money. And, I, and the thing that I loved about um, uh, Bill Rollins, my stepfather, was that he was a hardworking man. Mm hmm. And uh, you know, served in the navy and was patriotic, and uh, he was always working, and he always had some change in his pocket to give me, you uh, know. And I thought that was cool. And yeah, uh, sure. And uh, so I, you know, I started to think, okay, is this, is this making money and working hard does that give you a better life? You know, I mean, even at an early age. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I remember, you know, one of the things that, uh, that kind of sticks out in my mind is when you know I was on a school bus one day. Um, and my stepfather had found us a place to live. And so we, we'd been out out of the projects and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, my mother was still working and he'd be gone and, and, uh, my brother was living with my grandparents at the time. And, you know, so we moved out and found this place and just the mismanagement of money. Long story short, I get off school bus one day and all of our belongings are in the front yard. Mm. And, uh, wow. I, I remember to the school bus stop in front of oh, your yeah. house. Yes. So all the other yeah. kids saw that yeah. your stuff oh, was out oh, in the front everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking this will never, ever, ever, ever happen to me yeah. ever again, mm-hmm. if, uh, you know? And then, you know, I met some friends, um, close friends. And now yeah.
0: the, your future stuff. Uh, father was not in the picture yet i mean not living no he, he, they he were was married okay. he, he was he was so still he, mismanagement yeah, of money yeah, and, yeah okay yes yeah, yeah, he, he, he was better he wasn't an alcoholic but there was still some. right he was gone money. a lot he's yeah. gone he's gone Driving so
1: the truck. The, my mom's trying to manage the money and yeah. the bills and okay. all those things and you know uh let my mom worked at stone manufacturing yeah and sure. uh spent uh, you know a good part of 30 years there and hmm. retired from there but uh you know There's a great ending to that story, and we could talk about it for two or three more segments, you know. (laughs) But in regards to money, I always thought that money bought happiness. I I would see people, I'd go to my friends' houses and I'd see their homes and, you know, their cars, and I would see the mom and dad together, and I'd think, okay, the money is the reason, Hmm. you know. So I had this wrong idea, you know, so I knew that uh i needed to go to college i want to make more money mm-hmm. so found a way to go to college that's a story in itself
0: yeah i would, I would think so yeah
1: it was a struggle, struggle to get there but i had lots of help um you know my uh miss atkinson was my advisor at parker high school and she <laughs> wanted to see me going to college she knew my grades okay. were good and she said you have a shot and and uh good enough to get some scholarships yeah, grades? yeah okay. i got some scholarship so money and okay. uh you know Pell grants and things like that and got out of school with very little debt but even during college i, I, I worked hard i I always had a job um, when I was in school, one or two jobs, and uh, got through that and uh, knew knew that things started to look brighter uh, for me, Um, met my wife when we were 16, started going to church started that's to, her influence or that, that's a big influence
0: now, was it her influence that got you oh go uh, absolutely to absolutely
1: okay. no question so okay. i wanted to be with her and so I, i'd go to saint mark <laughs> methodist church over in san susie and don mckinney was our minister uh you know when i was about 18 19 20, okay. and i started to speak to my heart and i started to learn about servants being a servant and mm-hmm. and and god's grace where i always thought you know god was a you know judgmental and Mm. You, know, you, you know, me and my mom, we, we, the times we'd go to church, the few times we'd go to church, we, we, my mom would always feel guilty about our life, you know, and that we were preaching, we were going to end up in a bad place in eternity. And, mm. and, uh, I kind of felt that. And, uh, and then my mom got saved when, you know, my sisters came home when I was 12 from Connie Maxwell. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. My, you know, because we had a stable home, you know, and okay. my stepfather was able to, build that and and get get us all back together and they had go. been going to church at connie maxwell and we we were at san susie baptist church and um i got baptized there with my mom and um mm, you know cool. that was and, that was an experience i'll never forget yeah, I'm right sure. so me and mom, yeah. my mom together we were we kind of been through all the all the tough stuff together yeah. you know almost alone except with yeah. my brother dan
0: are you the youngest or next i'm, I'm the youngest you're the youngest yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and uh, my brother dan had an addiction my dad had an addiction mm. and 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 that's why the home was broken uh, for the most part, um, and but Connie Max really helped, and and you not know, Miracle Hill, you know uh, the, the the programs that we have there that help people, and you know as a lot as a, as I worked through that and got into college and and really got you know switched from San Susie to Saint Mark, where my wife was going to church, and then I had my friends. Uh, you know, Mark and Kevin Samson, Rocky Driver, and Rick Ware, and Alan Corbin, and Ted Brazier, Walt Brazier. Are they all son. listening today? So you uh, having to make I, I, sure you. I, I got to throw it out there for them because they mean, <laughs> a, mean a lot, a yeah. lot to me. And yeah, uh, you know, they were even though they were my friends, they 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 were also really good role models for me. Mm. And uh, uh, Walt Brazier is uh, yeah. Ted Brazier's uh, father, and yeah. he passed yeah. away uh, last yeah, year. Walt yeah. um, But Ted and I have been friends for many years, and I'd go to their home, and I would see a different life yeah right very different than very sure. different than from mine but yeah. they were very accepting and loving and caring of me and uh that that made a, a tremendous uh had an impact on me and then when i would go to the sims or the drive roads to hang out with the Corbins and all those people you know you know i just see and they're everybody yeah. was in church did and that, you see,
0: did you see a yeah. humbleness about the braziers that you say okay even though this guy's done well financially he's not um in your face about it and it's just like really god helped get this yeah get i didn't, I didn't really know uh, yeah, yeah i didn't know the
1: difference right he was always yeah. hey boy you know slap me on the back yeah. and me yeah. and ted would be playing basketball <laughs> when coming to come into the house and yeah. i went on a couple of vacations with him and you know i was just but i would get i get a so you i would try i was at that point figuring things out for myself hey okay this this is the life i want yeah. and i was still in the back of my mind it says it's the money that drives me right yeah. right and then as i started to walk in my faith i understand that uh it was. Just, it wasn't the money. Actually, money could do the opposite to you, it sure right? It can. And then that's when I had to learn. You know, I was like, okay, now is it the money or is it the grace? Uh, it, and then I started to look back on my life and things that I used to be embarrassed about or talk embarrassed to talk about. I began to understand it was a true blessing that I had this very humble beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll never forget yeah. a big part of that in my walk. Uh, and my small groups uh, people that uh, care and love for me and, and my family and Sherry, and we do the same and we meet you know every monday night uh, mm. uh even through even through covid and the pandemic but being able to hear hear from them about their struggles and being able to share mm-hmm. my story is is you know i feel good about it and it's something that i used to you know be embarrassed about something i can talk about now but it all goes back to I believe that God puts us here uh, to serve mm-hmm. and uh, serve the church, serve a ministry, um, serve at work. A lot mm-hmm. of people miss that. Yeah. And uh, when I said- Huge ministry for you work. Absolutely. Yeah. So my ministry at USA Truck, people know my faith. And when I said last time that you're not going to find a more God-fearing, hardworking, patriotic American than you're going to find in the trucking industry, and I mean that because mm-hmm. people- Recognize that in our industry, yeah. and and I've been yeah. able to make an impact. So when we were talking on break about servant leadership, mm-hmm. um, you know, God was, a, Jesus was the greatest leader of all time. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. And I tell people, yeah, right. <laughs> you can talk about all these other leaders in our world today, but there was none other. Yeah, I mean, for two thousand plus years later, people are still following him. Sure. No, no other leader was able to do yeah. that. Now yeah. he's God, so that's why God, we obviously <laughs> know that. But you know, for, for me, you know, I, I learned so much from the Bible about wisdom and servant uh, leadership and, and, and being a servant of God. Because uh, in my work, when I feel like I'm serving others, and I'm serving my family and my friends uh, and this Miracle Hill Ministry. The money always follows. Mm-hmm. It always does. Yeah. So now it's flipped for me. I'm not focused on the money. I'm more, I'm focused on the servant, and, and being a good servant, the money uh, the money follows. follows. Yeah. And and uh, doesn't always. But I mean, it, but, but, but always, for me to answer yeah. that question, that was a long answer. But it's a it was a long uh, transgression for me uh, all, all the way through. I mean, uh, I just uh, you know it took me time, and I went backwards with it, uh, and I I got the wrong idea, and I transgressed into. To that and, and now I, I feel like that uh, God's been so patient with me uh, mm. about that and um, but I think our country today um, and our youth and the absence of a father in a home uh, to show that hard blue collar work uh, I am blessed and I told my mother uh, a few years ago when I when I really started to accept the grace and love of Christ that uh, you know she was she always felt guilty. A little bit about the right. you know things, right. the way things happen, right. of course, you know it's natural for a mother, sure. mother to feel sure. that way, but I called her up, and I, I was on driving from a business trip, and I just picked up the phone, and we started talking. I said, "Hey, mom, I said, you know, I just want you to know this: I wouldn't trade my life for anybody else, with anybody else. I want you to know that because I know that our struggles have made us better, yeah. and I think today people miss that i think oh, they miss it they, they miss it in work too right uh, and
0: sometimes it is they see you today and see a successful person and don't even think about that there might have been a, a difficult past what what got you here and what helped get you there was that difficult past yeah i'm gonna have to to stop you for a second get to our okay. last we have All to get right. our last break in okay. and i hate to stop but we have you know got to pay yeah. the bills i guess so we got to get to the <laughs> to the break so we'll enjoy listening to the rest of uh, tim Ewan's story as we get back to this last break Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talkie Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. Private Wealth, Everyday Steward, Family Office, and the Professional Athlete Division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, Developing tax efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ron Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee, Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to talking money. <laughs> And welcome back to Talking Money. We have about nine minutes here left on the program. We've been talking about uh, the supply chain issues and then getting into Tim Gehens, my special guest today. He's the executive vice president and chief commercial officer for USA Truck. A lot of great information about the supply uh, chain and as it relates to to the trucking industry. And we did have a caller that called in, left a voicemail that would like, uh, Tim, for you to explain the surcharge, the fuel surcharge that truckers have to pay and how that affects prices and so forth.
1: Absolutely. So as fuel goes up, uh, um, most fuel, we we put in a fuel surcharge. So you have a rate per mile that the customer pays. So it could be $2 a mile, $3 a mile uh, for every mile the truck travels between point A and point B to deliver goods. But fuel is, uh, you know, you have your fixed cost in Mm -hmm. trucking and you have your variable cost. And fuel is very variable. Uh, When you see the price of gas or the the price of diesel fuel go up and down, you have to adjust pricing and rather writing a new contract mm-hmm. or always renegotiating a rate every single day or every time that fuel prices change. You put in a scale, uh, and these scales range anywhere from uh, $0.05 cents to $0.06 cents per gallon. Mm. So for every $0.05 cent or $0.06 cent increase in fuel, it's a penny surcharge extra. Mm. So you have your base fuel rate in the rate and then a fuel surcharge kicks in when fuel or gas prices go above what you modeled in your price for the uh, freight being moved okay
0: and that's how it all affects all of us because that makes freight freight delivery cost more which Ends up costing making the product, of course. Yes, whatever you're delivering costs more. Exactly, because it costs more to, to do that. Okay, very interesting. All i right, uh, don't know if we'll get any other questions about that, but we'll see. Um, so back to 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 Tim's personal story and, and money and just your life growing up and how um, the the choice between really is money what's making success people successful or is it the grace of God and money just happens to be a byproduct or, or a tool that's used and and we. You know that you you landed on the tool. So but the one of the interesting things you talked to me about was gospel music and Elvis. Yeah. So that's that's I've been talking about that in the promo, so I know people are interested so what in the world does gospel music and Elvis on vinyl have to do with uh, with Tim's life?
1: Yeah, you know, the Bible tells us when when a few gather it's church, right? And I remember uh when I wasn't regularly in church in my very young years when I was spending so much time with my grandparents, my grandmother edna thompson she would pray over me all the time and Hmm. she and i would hear her pray for my mother and even pray for my dad and my stepfather and my sisters the whole family she Hmm. was really really uh you know i learned about prayer from her and you know i was always hopeful that god was listening but you know i was too young to really understand the grace part of it and well plus in your situation
0: uh, it's easy to think there is there can't be a god otherwise i wouldn't be going through all this rough time
1: yeah Yeah. it was uh, yeah yeah you you do question that and but I would see her and she just had this grace about her and just um, but she loved her gospel music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) Southern gospel. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So she I would lay in the bed with her in the morning and she would play all the Southern gospel. But, you know, Elvis had some gospel albums. And boy, she she'd play that Elvis, and and we'd love that. And that was in she'd, the morning. She was in uh, the morning. it could be in the morning, at night, at okay. lunchtime. It didn't okay. matter. Whenever she got the feeling, she she, <laughs> she would she would put it on, and and uh, I'll never forget it. I mean, it, it it touched me. I was I obviously as a little guy, I was thought Elvis Presley was well, he was the king. He's king of rock and roll. right. <laughs> <That's> but right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's what I meant by that because that was part of my faith walk right there, prayer and the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And if you'd only
0: known that vinyl was coming back, yeah, you, could, absolutely you could try is. to hold on to those vinyl records. I've just, got a few. Do you? Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I have a turntable. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I do, too. I've got some old 60s, 70s uh, vinyl albums from a lot of different kind of artists that it's, uh, it's it's awesome. so came back. So uh, tell me a little bit about so before we run out of time. we got about Five minutes uh your dad you talked about he, he i guess he left you guys when you were little because he had drug issues or alcohol alcohol uh, alcoholic. could have been he some drugs i never really okay. heard i heard
1: more about the alcoholism okay. and i tell people you know so obviously it's a disease the more i've learned about it yeah. you know i was uh, uh, definitely you know one of the things I, I i got this hard heart about it you know uh early on and you know he went to prison he was a he was a bad dude i mean he's uh, you know, and I always felt like when he comes back, is he going to try to break up the family that yeah. we've all, we started to build? And so yeah. I had some resentment there, but that was me. That was something I I didn't know at the time, but I had to yeah. learn to forgive that, and, and 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 I did. And and he can't he can't. What happens? He he hit rock bottom, so he came back to Greenville. And there's this is a whole other story for some other time too. <laughs> there's a lot of story yeah. behind this, but anyway, he ended up on the streets. Okay, um, in Greenville. In, street's Greenville. in Greenville. So downtown um, Washington Street Rescue Mission he goes and you know Reed Layman tells me the story the miracle the, hill rescue and cuz he Washington. knows the story he's yeah. in Reed's book uh, god wears his own ah. watch he talks about my dad oh really okay. and uh, this just goes to show you how god works you know he, he beats on the door and 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 the staff there miracle hill smelled alcohol on him yeah and they said you can't he had been coming to get free drink i mean a free food yeah. uh, maybe maybe Something. some housing for the night yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. they said you you can't come back until you dry out until you're sober Mm-hmm. And then he ended up under a bridge that night, and ended up calling my uh, of all people my grandmother. Think mm-hmm. about that his mm-hmm. his mother in law whose family Ex-mother-in-law. He had, yeah, yeah yeah. So yeah. think about that. Not a lot of, Well, anyway, she makes <laughs> things happen. And, and long story short, he goes back to Miracle Hill, and um, they let they got him in. Okay. And uh, the stories I've heard about him. Yeah, you know how hard it is to detox, people. It's a medical treatment today, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, For what I understand, he detoxed himself on a on a on a cot and a concrete floor in the rescue mission. Wow! And uh, some folks told me that it, it's almost they heard the screams and the pain, and uh, it was like uh, the demons leaving his body. But I'm going to mm. tell you, it's a miracle. Because and even I was the doubting Thomas. I didn't want to hear it. I right. thought it was just uh, him making it up. That right. he's dry now and he's sober and he's doing all these things. He, Got a job at Miracle Hill, and then he went to work for Dixie Waste Paper Company. He's a supervisor there for many years, and I never heard him say a curse word. I never heard him. I never saw him. I even smelled alcohol on him. Uh, he helped uh, a ministry. He helped Miracle Hill, and he started to start a church uh, here in Greenville. And I always tell people, I don't know how you start, but you need to finish strong. My dad—that's yeah, how he finished strong. He finished strong. Yeah. So we're very proud of him too. Wow. I mean, he changed the lives of all of us. Every one of us saw that. So, in the, in so
0: all life. the children, all your sisters and your brother, all yeah. saw the change and, yeah. and had some kind of relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. And my mother
1: and, and my stepfather. Yeah, uh, he he saw it too, and it had a big impact on. So this, did he ever end up
0: living fall. on his own, or was he living actually at Miracle Hill no. when he passed?
1: He he lived on his own. Okay. Yeah.
0: Great. Great. Yeah. Did well enough at his job and so forth to make yeah. that happen. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. We got about a minute and a half left, so we try to. We try to condense the rest of your story. What what is one of the things that happened in your life that you just think would be really cool to share to for everybody?
1: You know, I think be, being patient in your faith is, is, and it's just it wasn't just an aha moment for me. Hmm. It was a lot of experience, and and I know my grandmother's prayers are still being answered today. I th- I think leaning on your friends and getting support there, and getting in the Word and learning. And you know, people, you know, I started out trying to read the Bible from front to cover. That doesn't work. It didn't work for me. <laughs> you but you get I, bogged down in those I, first chapters. I encourage yeah, just just <laughs> so some so people. So and so begat,
0: so and so begat, so and so. Like, yeah. oh wow, this yeah. is <laughs> this is old past. Just get close.
1: <laughs> just get close to some friends that you look up to, that you know. You know, I've always, you know, always remember the, you know, the idle mind is devil's playground. And I yeah. think part of our problems today in our world is that. Yeah. And so I have always been busy, you know, yeah. busy on the family, busy on the work. Yeah. So.
0: Well, it's been great having you, Tim. I yeah. enjoyed hearing this, the information about the trucking, but also even more so about your story and how God used those humble beginnings to, to work in your life and make you really a stronger believer. So thanks very much for, for coming on with me today and Talking Money.
1: It's a pleasure so to be here. We'll, Thank we'll you for having again. me.
0: We'll definitely have to do it again sometime. All right, so you got a question for me? 800-588-7526 is the number at the office. Feel free to call. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week for the next Talking Money.